This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Uh, Kansas is fighting time. Maybe Tennessee will put up a fight this weekend time. Maybe not that kind of fight time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. I hope you're having a good Thursday morning out there. Unless, of course, it's Thursday afternoon or evening or Friday morning, afternoon, evening. Maybe it's even Saturday morning and you're getting ready to watch Tennessee play Kansas. The Vols play the third-ranked Jayhawks on Saturday at Fog Allen Fieldhouse there in Lawrence. going to be a fun, fun day. Uh, I guess be fun for me and Grant Ramey, who's on this podcast with me anyways. We're going to be over there covering that game. Big, big game for the Vols, certainly after a... You know, a, a non-conference schedule that wasn't quite exactly what they wanted it to be. Uh, some some roster subtractions probably had something to do with that. The Vols may be starting to put some pieces back together, have played a lot better basketball anyways in the past uh, 40 minutes or so. And uh, to talk about that with me from the Blount County Satellite Office of Go Vols 24-7 out in Blount County, out in Maryville. What's up, Grant? I'm ready for this trip to Kansas. I've pulled up a uh, stool. I'm ready to podcast, and I'm ready to pull up a stool at Fog Allen and, and watch a good basketball game. You yeah, see what I did there? You know, you're gonna we're gonna have to keep our heads on a swivel because I don't know uh, where media seating is at Fog Allen. It's kind of a crapshoot there with old gyms. It could be kind of pretty good. It could be up there like people build them now up in the Raptors. I'm not sure exactly where it is, but if it's on the floor, um, head on a swivel, guys. Head on a swivel. Hopefully it's ringside. Yeah, that's, that was interesting. In case you're, you've missed that, we're, we're going to do a, a couple things here, guys. We're going to mostly talk about Tennessee's past couple games, the wins against or wins at Vanderbilt and at home against Ole Miss. We're going to talk about those primarily in the first segment, and, and then we're going to uh, go into a break, and then we're going to come out of that break. Second segment, we're going to hear from Rick Barnes, and entertainingly, we're going to hear from Tennessee's own incredible folk, John Fulkerson, the uh, Kingsport Comet, the Kingsport Jordan, uh, the Kingsport Mamba after his career-high 18-point performance against Ole Miss and uh, some really, really interesting things that he had to say after the game that had a lot to do uh, not at all with basketball, but that's usually how it goes when you speak with John Fulkerson. Then the the third segment, we're going to come back, and it's going to be me and Grant, and we're going to talk more about Kansas, talk more about this big game on Saturday. But right off the top, Grant, uh, we should mention this in case y'all have missed this. Um, you missed something interesting. Uh, toward the tail end of Kansas's game Tuesday night uh, against Kansas State there at the Fog, uh, Kansas is up by about 25 points. Game looks like it's about over. Uh, Kansas is just kind of dribbling the clock out. Kansas State uh, goes up there and steals the ball from Kansas when Kansas is trying to, to kill the clock there at the end. And uh, then the other guy goes down the court and he blocks the layup. D'Souza, Silvio D'Souza from Kansas, didn't like getting the ball taken, so he goes and swipes the swipes at the ball, blocks the shot, and sort of a fracas uh, happens underneath the goal there for a while. And at one point, D'Souza picked up a chair or, or a stool uh, and for a second looked like he was going to swing it at a Kansas State player. That was quite the uh, brouhaha. There's a couple of suspensions for Kansas. Grant, neither one. I mean, D'Souza gets 12 games. Um, they, I think their sixth leading scorer uh, got a two-game suspension. So people are wondering, wow, is this going to affect Kansas? I don't know that it will, will it? Uh, I mean, it, it is two big bodies. Uh, I believe McCor- David McCormack is something like 6'7", um, and I think D'Souza is something like 6'6". Six, six, so it's two forwards coming off the bench. Uh, and, and anytime you shorten a rotation by two bodies, even though you know, D'Souza everybody kind of knows his name because of all the, the stuff, the drama that he's been through with Kansas the last couple of years. Uh, if you'll remember, he was suspended halfway through last year and for all of this season because of 
you know, the, the Adidas stuff that was happening in federal court. And some people had said that money went to his handler or whatever. Anyway, they appealed it in May and got him back this season. Well, he's only averaging eight minutes a game and 2.6 points, I think, and 2.8 rebounds. So uh, not a huge factor there. McCormack's a little bit of a bigger factor. I think yes. he plays 16 minutes a game. Uh, I think he averages seven and a half points, four and a half rebounds, kind of in that range. So that is two two less big bodies to bring off the bench, which could help Tennessee down low. Uh, you mentioned Don Fulkerson earlier. Uh, we saw how important he can be to this program against Ole Miss. So uh, if that does make it easier, you know, maybe that helps Tennessee a little bit, but it, it's still Kansas. It's still Allen Fieldhouse. They still have elite talent. It's still an elite basketball program, one of the best in the country. I believe number one in the Ken Palm. So it's going to be a really, really tough test, and it's going to be just a little bit of a shorthanded test. Yeah, and uh, Devin Dotson's still playing. Uh, Udoka Azubuke or Azubuki is, is still playing. I know he pronounces it uh, Azubuke, I think, and uh, the, the former Kentucky player with that last name sp- uh, pronounced it uh, Azubuke. And then Vanderbilt had a linebacker uh, who pronounced it Azubuke. So uh, I guess that's kind of a dealer's choice. But uh, bottom line is, uh, Kansas's star guard Devin Dotson is playing. Uh, the star big man um, Azubuke is playing. Uh, they have another couple really, really great guards. A few of them actually, uh, Ochai uh, Agbaji, uh, Marcus Garrett, and Isaiah Moss. They're all still playing. Christian Braun's still playing. So Kansas is still Kansas. Um, it, it's been you know, a, a really, really interesting couple of years for that program. You you have all the NCAA mess and the with the, the, the Adidas money and all those other things. You have the NCAA investigation into that that's still ongoing with the notice of allegations. You, you have uh, Snoop Dogg going there and having stripper poles when he performs, to, you know, kind of a midnight madness. Now you have this. Interesting times uh, in Lawrence, Kansas, and th- there's plenty to talk about there with the Jayhawks in the third segment. But before that, we do need to discuss Tennessee. I guess that's ordinarily the main topic of this podcast. It should be in this one as well. Grant, I don't think anybody should get too excited. Uh, When you're at where Tennessee is right now as a program, even if you're kind of in a transition, we'll see what kind of season it is kind of season. uh, You don't need to be too excited about beating, you know, winning at Vanderbilt and beating Ole Miss at home. You got to keep that in perspective. Those are two of the worst teams in the SEC you should beat those teams if you're Tennessee right now. But I think when you look at the last probably 30 minutes or so of basketball Tennessee's played, that's as well as Tennessee's played in a while, regardless of the opponent. And it looks like things are kind of maybe knock on wood heading in a better direction right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, you can go back to last week. I don't think George is a very good, you know, far from an elite basketball team in this league. I think they're in the middle of the road. SEC team, and you saw when with, with one great there. player, one great player, but then yeah, right, 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 and played the way it did, just the way it can kind of get out of hand and then get run out of the gym if they don't show up and play ball, and, and go to Vanderbilt Saturday as ugly as that first half was, and as bad as Vanderbilt is as a basketball program right now, losing Aaron Neesmith, a first round draft pick, the leading scorer in the conference, obviously that's huge. To play the way they did in the second half, it's less about the opponent, I think, the last two games, and more so about Tennessee, kind of taking steps in the right direction toward what Rick Barnes wants them to be. Uh, They've kind of gone from a team that really struggled to follow scouting reports uh, and not really kind of following that blueprint and template they're being being given uh, and then failing them uh, or them failing, you know, trying to play the way they're playing to a team that's kind of doing exactly what Barnes wants them to do, Uh, getting those post entries uh, to Fulkerson or uh, another forward or, or driving the uh, driving to the rim and, and not just settling for those that little passive stuff around the perimeter and, and pulling threes when this team's not a good three-point shooting team uh, by any stretch of the imagination and playing getting back to playing pretty good defense. I mean, yeah, obviously these are two of the teams that are at the bottom of the SEC standings, but, uh, you know, good or bad opponents, you can play good defense and, and give yourself a chance. And they've taken care of business and they've made some progress and, and against those teams. You know, you can't make up your SEC schedule. It's made up for you. Uh, you got to take advantage of those games, and, and they've done that, and, and maybe it helps them going forward. Yeah, and I know that the, it's hard to say this is 100% on Tennessee because, you know, the the fact is I, I think Vanderbilt and Ole Miss missed a few pretty darn good clean looks from three-point range. But the fact of the matter is 
uh, Tennessee's past two opponents are a combined five of 50 from three-point range. So I know some of that is obviously some shots that you're going to miss, and you would think that even if you take 25 tough ones, you're going to make one. You know, Vanderbilt it was one of only three programs in the history of college basketball who, since the three-point shot, entered play in 18, 1986. I almost said 1886. That's like when my house was built. Uh, 1986, um, they, it was them, Princeton, UNLV. Those were the three programs that had made at least one three in every game. And now uh, that's a list of two. UNLV and Princeton are the only ones because Vandy was 0 for 25. And you kind of feel for the Commodores, I guess not if you're a Tennessee fan, but – you know, that, that, that streak's kind of the thing Vanderbilt had in basketball. They've always had a bunch of great shooters throughout their program because they haven't always been able to get great athletes, but they've always been able to get some really good shooters. Uh, they've kind of prided themselves. They've probably got per capita the most, you know, three-point snipers kind of of any program, I, I think, in the SEC since the mid-'80s. So uh, they kind of pride themselves on that, and for them to lose that streak uh, at home against Tennessee, uh, that, that's a that's kind of a kick to the knackers there for, for the doors. But but that's the way it goes. Then Ole Miss comes in, and Ole Miss has Brian Tyree, who's one of the best players, best guards in the conference at least. Uh, he has to put up a ton of shots to get his 18 points. Ole Miss goes 5 of 25, I believe, from three-point range, and that's including some makes there in the final couple minutes. So uh, you can't really complain about the defense. I mean, you look at this right now, Vandy put up 45 points. What did Ole Miss put up? Uh, 48 points. This looks like a Tennessee defense again. Yeah, and and I think with Rick Barnes and and these young players, I mean, you can go back to Admiral. Uh, You know, he didn't do a ton his first couple years. He was kind of just a a bench piece who would get some inconsistent minutes. I think he played a lot as a freshman because he had to. Uh, but when he did start playing, playing well, I think he had a double-double at Florida. This is like January of maybe his sophomore year uh, when he kind of really catapulted himself into the lineup. I always remember him saying after the game that he he didn't worry about his offense. He was going to let the shots come to him. He just wanted to play good defense, rebound, help protect the rim, kind of do the stuff that had been preached to him. And I think this team is finally starting to maybe get to that point. Uh, you know, another disclaimer, the opponent was the opponent last couple of games. But, you know, Olivier Camelot said after the game against Ole Miss, he stopped worrying about his offense and he just wanted to play defense and, and help this team on the defensive end, block shots and rebound. Jalen Johnson, Rick Barnes kind of, you know, glowed about, kind of bragged about him after the game, uh, kind of for the first time in a while, saying that he's kind of starting to do the things that they're asking him to do, which is play defense and, and realize that you don't have to make threes to stay on the floor. You can affect the uh, you can affect the game in other ways and help your team. Uh, and, and I think more of these guys are realizing, you know, if you guard the perimeter, if you play really good defense, if you take advantage of the length and athleticism that this roster has, they've built a really tall, really long lineup uh, that can jump passing lanes and can disrupt teams on the defensive end, that you're going to give yourself a chance. And, and when you do that, that usually leads to steals, transition offense. That usually leads to confidence on the offensive end. Uh, if you're taking care of business on the defensive end, there's obviously not as much pressure on you on the offensive end. I think that's kind of slowly kind of what they're working towards and and kind of making progress toward that if they play really good defense, it's going to translate on the offensive end uh, and they're going to be a much, much better basketball team. Yeah, and, you know, if you, if you want to wonder why a guy like Jordan Bowden, you know, despite some of his offensive struggles this season uh, and, and despite early in his career when he wasn't really much of a consistent scorer, you know, he could pop up and do it big at times, but other times he just didn't score. But why he's going to be up there and play just about as many minutes as anyone in Tennessee basketball history because he's played 30-plus minutes just about every game since he was a freshman at Tennessee, the reason for that is because he plays defense, because he almost never takes a possession off defensively. He does what Rick Barnes asks him to do. And that's, you know, if you wonder why, you know, even when Bowden's out there kind of clanking shots and when he's out there kind of not taking shots and kind of drifting out offensively, it's defense. That's why he stays on the floor. If Rick Barnes trusts you to play defense, you're going to play. Uh, that's just how he – that's just that's just what he wants to build this thing on. And, you know, that makes sense because a couple things travel. No, no matter where you go, defense and rebounding, they travel. And, uh, you know, th- this team – well, I guess you could say three things travel, uh, defense, rebounding, and Santiago Viscovi. Those are the three things that travel. But, Rude. Y- y- you know, hey, come on. He- he's working on He's working on that. He- he's he's maybe maybe cutting down a, a little bit on And you're those. calling him out. You're sitting here calling him out. Sitting here, sitting here being rude. I couldn't help it. Come Take on, man. Head. That was up on a tee. That was up on a tee. But, you know, you look at it, and, and that's what Rick Barnes wants to build this thing on. He loves scoring the basketball. 
Uh, he'd have no problems with teams scoring 80, 90 points. That doesn't bother him at all. Uh, he just doesn't want the opponent scoring. And, and that's if you're Tennessee, that's what this team has to do. Grant, we've talked about this a lot this season. Even on nights when this team goes out there and shoots the ball pretty well, you know, the, the second half uh, against uh, Vanderbilt, Tennessee makes a what? Was it something like 11 of its first 12 shots? Uh, something like that. Ends up shooting 16 of 24 and a half. Uh, this team can score at times. Uh, it, it had a 40-point, I believe, first half there against Ole Miss and probably could have scored 85 or 90 if they'd, they'd kept their foot on the pedal. But this team goes through little ruts where it doesn't put the ball in the bucket. Uh, so this team absolutely has to defend. That's the one non-negotiable with this thing, with this team. Uh, it, it, it's got to rebound okay, uh, and it's got to play great defense. And if it does those two things, it has a chance to be a pretty decent team. But when it doesn't, you, you see where things go. Yeah, I mean, the first half at Vanderbilt uh, is a perfect example. Tennessee can go, I think, the final six and a half minutes of that half without scoring. Uh, they only scored 21 points in that half. Uh, they did, you know, half of their scoring on a 10-0 run earlier in the half, and kind of Vanderbilt kind of punched back. I think they had a 7-0 run, something like that. But still, Tennessee plays about as ugly a brand of basketball as you can offensively in the first half, those 20 minutes. And they're up 21-20 at halftime, and they come out in the second half and, like you said, make shots. And I think they start the second half on a 10-0 run, something like 16-2 or something eventually. And they blow Vanderbilt out because they kept playing defense. They just started hitting some shots, and uh, they started scoring more in transition. I think they had 42 points in the paint in that game to, to Vanderbilt's 20. Uh, and, and you see that half, and it carried over in a big way in the first half against Ole Miss. I mean, what they did with John Fulkerson in the first half of that game, 16 points, I think he was – Six to six of the field in the first half, four or four at the free throw line, whatever. Uh, that's huge numbers for him. That's huge for the Tennessee basketball team because that's what Barnes wants them to do: uh, establish that post presence. Even if you're not scoring points down there, just get the ball down there, make the defense adjust, uh, and play good defense when you're on the defensive end, and get out and run the way they did, and put pressure on the rim like he always talks about, uh, and go from there. It's it's big step uh, forward for everybody on this basketball team, uh, and now obviously. You know, the conversation changes a big way with Kansas, but it's an out-of-conference game. It's not going to hurt your resume if Tennessee is, in fact, still trying to build a resume for an NCAA tournament or whatever postseason they're trying to uh, – whatever they postseason they can get to. Um, but hopefully they're taking steps in the right direction based on what you've seen because it, it appears that way regardless if it's Vandy, Ole Miss, whoever. Yeah, it seems like uh, Rick Barnes said a few times this season that he thought the team was shooting too many threes. But after that game at Georgia, he really, really, really got angry about it. Uh, he was clearly annoyed throughout the postgame press conference. He was not in a great mood. And, and apparently it, it was uh, a legendary film stu study that they had the following day. And if you talk about a film study with Rick Barnes standing out, that's crazy because they go over so much film. I mean, he says they scrub them out the same no matter whether it's a 20-point win, 20-point loss, whatever it is. They treat them all pretty pretty harshly. Um, but that one was apparently pretty bad. I, I think that may have been one of those come-to-Jesus meetings where he's sitting there throwing Bibles at everybody and saying gosh darns and you know, kind of getting after them a little bit. Uh, they went out there against Vanderbilt, and they attempted eight threes in the entire game. Uh, and then they go out there – in the first half against Ole Miss. And as you said, John Fulkerson goes up there and puts up 16 points. Now, and the, the reason why I asked Ole Miss coach Kermit Davis about this after the game was because I think when you're scouting Tennessee, there's some things you have to account for. Obviously, you know that Bowden, no matter what he's been doing lately, has the ability to go off at any point, so you have to pay him attention. Uh, Vescovi has shown that he can score in some bunches. You have to you have to be careful with him. You can't leave Pons open the three-point line. You have to kind of try to smother James a little bit. Um, but Fulkerson, you kind of most of the time will, will, will go one-on-one -on -one against him, and you'll take your chances. So when John Fulkerson goes out there and puts up 16 points in the first half against you, Tennessee is probably in a good position because if you're a coach – and you're putting a scout together on Tennessee, you don't account for that. You're not going to double Fulkerson. You're not going to pay him a ton of attention. But if he goes out there and does that, all of a sudden that puts that puts a lot of strain on your defense. Yeah, and that's what – I mean, how, how often has Rick preached the fact that uh, not only does the guards have to – do the guards have to get Fulke the ball, Fulke also has to demand the ball a little bit down there on the block and do something with it when he gets it. Uh, that was the thing against Ole Miss. Not only you know did he get those looks and touches down low, uh, he finished really well. I mean, obviously you didn't miss a shot in the first half. I think he missed one shot in the game, uh, finished with 18. 
uh, finally got that, that last bucket for the career high, uh, which everybody's kind of waiting on. And it was another double-double. I think that was his second double-double uh, in the last four games. You, you just can't go to Georgia and play whatever he played, 32, 37 minutes, and only have two shots off. Uh, that's on Folky. That's on the guards. That's on everybody. Uh, but this Tennessee basketball team is clearly different uh, when they play inside out. And if they're going to play inside out, it's going to be John Fulkerson. I don't know how he handles as a bouquet or, you know, whoever plays behind him, it's going to be a, a monumentally tough task Saturday uh, in Lawrence. But moving forward, you know, big picture, this this version of Fulkerson has to keep showing up more often than not. And I'll tell you, Grant, before we go to break here, one more thing that I think has been huge for Tennessee. Obviously, you know, Viscovi, when he takes care of the ball, that's helping them a lot. Um, but I think a couple of things are happening right now. One, I think we're starting to see an evolution in Josiah Jordan-James. Uh, he's starting to be a little bit more aggressive offensively. He's starting to kind of put his stamp on games more, which is something the staff wants him to do. I think that's been really important. And the other thing is, I think the past two games, you look up there, Olivier Cumwas played a lot better. Uh, he He's not even close right now to the player they think he can be because they think this kid can be a star. But but right now, they think this kid can do a couple things. They think he can rebound at a really high level, and they think he can give them some buckets you know, kind of in the flow of the offense when people aren't paying attention. And, and I think eventually this kid has the ability to stretch defenses. He can go out there and shoot some threes. He can handle the ball a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of things this kid's going to be able to do. You know, everyone's getting really excited about Urosh being in there and, and Vescovi being there and, and all these things. Don't forget that Kumwa's been a, uh, just about – a guy who Barnes has been just about as excited about as anyone. You know, this was a guy that you heard him say earlier this season he can do a lot of the things Grant Williams can do or could do at that age. So he's he's got a lot on this kid for the future. But for right now, I, I think it's kind of getting lost in the shuffle because Fulkerson's had a couple of uh, really nice games here. You know, Bowden's putting the ball back in the bucket. You know, there's all kinds of new toys out there with these new freshmen. But but one of the guys who's been there all season, Kumwa, I think his, his play the past couple games has kind of been sneaky under the radar good, but it, it's been important for this team. Yeah, and, and it, he doesn't have to be obviously great. He doesn't have to jump off the page at all. Uh, if he can give them 10, 12 good minutes, just solid, productive, not be a kind of a the weak link on the floor. And the same for Urosh. If he can just give them 10, 12 solid minutes, be a guy that you know doesn't jump off the page as somebody that's getting beat every time down the floor, fouling, stuff like that, just give them solid minutes, and that takes a pretty big load off of John Fulkerson uh, down there. That's what Rick pointed out after the Ole Miss game. He's a lot different player if he's playing 25 to 27 minutes than he is if he's playing 39 to 32 or above that uh, a game. He's, he's talked in the past about Folky getting tired and in a game and looking tired. Uh, so if you can avoid that, that's a huge difference, and you're going to avoid it by Olivier getting some good minutes and Urosh getting some good minutes, those kind of guys. And, and to your point about Josiah, for sure, he, I think he's a guy that uh, I, I would call him the MVP through 18 games because he's kind of – settled in and made a lot of progress he's a really good rebounder he's become a pretty consistent scorer he's he's been a really good a pretty good assist man i guess since lamonte went down uh, and kind of falling back into that point guard role that that he's you know so used to so yeah he he's settling in and, and kind of those are kind of the factors that once you get past bowden fulkerson uh those kind of role player guys if they can get those guys going and coming along as the season goes on maybe they'll uh, keep taking steps in the right direction. You know what else will help you take steps in the right direction? Uh, the products and the services and the in-house ads that you hear during these uh, during these commercial breaks for the Go Boss 24-7 podcast. What we're going to do is we're going to get to those, and, and then we're going to come back and we're going to hear from Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes, and we're going to hear from Tennessee junior forward John Fulkerson. Uh, but before that, we're going to hear from uh, some sponsors. Hashtag... Uh... <laughs> Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. 
Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a second ago. As always, you're not contractually, morally, ethically, spiritually obligated in any way, shape, or form to listen to those commercials, but we appreciate the people who do that. Helps us at CBS Sports, helps us at 24-7 Sports, helps us at GoVols 24-7, and it might even help you. We, you know, we don't know what the ads are. We're going to probably read the, the ads at some point. Uh, you know, we're going to get our own kind of personalized ads and stuff. But for right now, we're just using the CBS ones and, uh, and, and we don't know what they are. Uh, so they're probably great products, though, or else our wonderful, wonderful company would not be affiliated with them. So here's what we're going to do in this segment, guys. As promised, we're going to get to uh, a couple quick interviews. We're going to speak with Tennessee. You're going to hear from Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes, and then we're going to come back from that, and you're going to hear from Tennessee forward John, the incredible Folk Fulkerson. But first, here is Tennessee coach Rick Barnes. You know, I like to think so. I like to think that they are starting to understand what goes into winning. Uh, we certainly know what what goes into losing, and uh, so uh, I do think that defensively, I really we're more pleased with what we've done for three straight halves defensively, probably as much as anything. And we did take, I think, this is the lowest amount of turnovers we've had all year, I think, and. Uh, they changed defenses early like we thought they would from their 1-3-1, which you get it below the foul line, it's going to morph into a 2-3. I thought our guys recognized that okay and really made a conscious effort of putting it inside. But defensively was where we got it going again. And it's something that I just hope we can continue to build on. That the John Fulkerson that you have to try to explain to John Fulkerson that he could be? Yeah, and you know what, Grant? I think, I think a lot of it has to do with playing less minutes. I think that... Uh, Olivier, we thought as a staff uh, walking off the court that he had played his best game overall, doing what we need him to do, and told him that he's, he just can't go backwards now because he's made some of those strides and then backed up. And, you know, Uros and those minutes that he can, those two guys can give, puts Folky down around 25, 27 minutes where he probably plays his best basketball. And I think he, he likes that better because I think it helps him. And so, Hopefully those guys can keep getting better and we can keep his minutes down to about that point. From quite a bit of uh, full court one, two, two in the past two games, how long have y'all been working on that? What do you like from what you've got to have Well, to be honest with you, uh, that's always been part of our plan. I've never a year not had it. I learned that press from Joe Gallagher at St. John's High School as an assistant coach back in the early 80s, and it's always been a part. It's just it depending on how much we want to use it and what we need to do with it. And, but we, we feel like with this group that it would help us uh, and hopefully just to get some time off the clock, make people have to not have quite as much time to work with. And, and we're longer. You know, we can, we can spread out up there, and which we like that. And, uh, but we've just got to – we still have to get better with it, to be quite honest with you. There's, there's some holes still in it that we've got to plug. Well, I think the biggest thing is uh, not as many breakdowns. You know, that's that's been the biggest thing where we we do a lot of switching and, and you know sometimes we're playing uh, when the, they're postman. One guy we might be switching on the other guy we might be going to different ball coverage there and they're they're picking that up better. They're echoing better. They're communicating better. They're talking better and. Uh, so I, I think that's all happening, but uh, we're getting more carryover from practice in terms of that communication, and and we're trying to really work hard at not getting too spread out, uh, where we are getting beat so much off the dribble, and then uh, obviously trying to keep ourselves in pretty good rebound position. Hey guys, Tennessee coach Rick Barnes here. Probably the most extended, I guess, games in a row in his career that Jalen Johnson's been out there. Has that helped him get the flow a little bit? It looks like he's a little more comfortable. Well, at one, he's earned it. You know, what, what, what he's done, as much as anything, he, uh, he has really worked hard on his defense. He's really trying, and what I loved about him, that uh, he did the best job of anybody we've had in a long time in Vanderbilt talking. He's out there talking, helping guys. And I think what he's done, he's, he's starting to understand the game better in terms of understanding he doesn't have to make threes to stay in the game. Uh, you know, he, he really, he's a good teammate. And he's wanting to help these guys and, uh, and he's working at it. There's no doubt, I mean, he's, 
it's working harder in a lot of different areas, but you're starting to see a lot of what he's doing in practice carry over. And uh, and, he, and what happens is it's, he's no different than the other player. You got to earn trust from the coaching staff, and he's and he's doing that because he's doing exactly what we need him to do. I think he is. You know, he still has times where he like he threw a tough pass tonight. I can't remember. I think it was Folky or whoever one of them caught it. That's where he's got to continue to get better. But he wants to, and he's starting to understand what he's looking for. He's starting to understand space on the court, understanding where the ball needs to get, what his job to do. And he and Santi, you know, they they get a lot of pressure. They work. And tonight, we should have – our big guy should have done a little bit better job when he were being pressured away from the basket, setting some step-up screens and and getting and letting him get out in the open court there. But <coughs> I think he's – I do. I, you would expect him. It's January. You would expect him to start having a grasp of what we're doing. You said a couple times in the last few days about Olivier doing the things that you want to see him do. What are those things he's kind of figuring out at last? What he's good at. You know, he's a really good offensive rebounder. When we recruited him, that's what we thought we were going to get, just a rebounder in general. He's got to learn to play through contact. That's something he's going to have to learn to do. He's going to have to learn to play quicker. He's got to be more decisive. He's got to understand where he is on the court and realize that he gets this right space that he where he needs to be. He doesn't need to mess with it, just get into his shot. He's got great hands, and he can shoot the ball. He's just starting to slow down a little bit for him, but he still has to become more physical. Uh, but rebounding-wise, we think he can hold his own with anybody. We just told him if he would do what we asked him to do, it, 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 he would figure it out. And he's been doing it more consistently in practice, and tonight he carried it over to the game. Can you go down some of your favorite memories down to Well, a couple, you know, we won in there one year. Uh, that was a big one, you know, but uh, if you ask me the greatest college basketball performance I've ever witnessed in my life was Kevin Durant, first half of the game. It was one of the most phenomenal things I've ever seen. If we scored 35 points, he was responsible for every one of them some way, somehow. And uh, right at the beginning of the, I think it was at the end of the half, he turned his ankle. And when he left the floor, uh, they gave him a standing O. And, and I remember he turned his ankle right in front of me. It was at the start of the second half. And I'm like, he's not going to play for two weeks. I mean, he turned and rolled it right in front of us. And But the fun part was after the game and during the summer, summer league, sitting around watching the kids play and being with Danny Manning. And, and he was on the bench at the time at Kansas. And and he said, Bill looked at him and said, what what, what do you think? And he said, all I can tell you is he's a bad mother. <laughs> you know? And uh, But that was the greatest half of college basketball I've ever seen. Until folky, yeah, but uh, it's a special place. You know, you got the, you know, it's a great basketball tradition. You know that. Bill's done a terrific job since he's been there, and uh, you've got to play extremely well to go in there and win. Coach, to close, you talked about a special place, and you got a special gift tonight. I did. You know what? Uh, it's very seldom. I've, I've had, a, you know, I've had a lot of friends in my life, but I've never had someone that's actually signed a photo for me, a friend. I mean, somebody you think would be a friend. You know you know what I mean, Rob? Like it'd be like somebody, a friend, would give you an autographed picture when they were in college and they had told you for years that they wore number 44 and how good a player they were. They signed a picture when they were in college in the 60s and they're wearing 34. But Bob Kessley did that tonight. And then I come out after the game and he gives me a pair of socks. Now, this is a guy that really thinks highly of himself. I mean, look at this. But I told him it's appropriate because he's right where he needs to be on the floor being walked on. You know? <laughs> but how about that? Bob, I mean, he made these up, and now he's got a pair for all you guys if you want them. Anybody want them? And, I'll, and I will sell this pair. <laughs> thank you, guys. All right, thank you, guys. That was Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes speaking with us reporters after the uh, the win over Ole Miss on Tuesday night. And uh, as promised, we're not just going to hear from Fulkerson. You're going to hear a very, very interesting uh, sort of all-over-the-place interview with Tennessee forward John Fulkerson. So here is the incredible Folk himself. 
John and Rick's kind of right. been been saying for a, a couple weeks now that you need to be more assertive down there and kind of be the low post scoring option that this team needs. It's tonight kind of show what that kind of looks like. Um, I guess. I mean, I, I think so. John, did, did Coach challenge you at the game? You only took two shots that night. I mean, it's, it's the, it looks like you didn't love Um, I, I was just telling the radio, you know, um, after the Georgia game, um, well, he he had talked with all of us, you know. Um, that game was not um, who Tennessee basketball is. It wasn't how we practice. It wasn't how it wasn't our standard. And so, uh, Coach really talked to and he talked to us and challenged all of us um, from the starting five to the bench guys to the coaches to uh, really, you know, we got to step it up and be consistent. You know, um, I think we played well against Missouri and South Carolina. I mean, we come out, um, we go to Georgia and just play like that. And so it's very inconsistent. And uh, so that's something that we've been talking about. And I think these last two games, um, we really focused on the details and focused to, you know, get back to, to what we do and what we do in practice. And I think um, it's really helped us. Do you think you personally have kind of started to embrace the fact that I've got to score for this team? You took 18 shots these last two games. That's not – probably could have gone a lot last year taking 18 shots. Right, uh, definitely. Um, I mean, I just think it's my shots fall on our offense. And um, I credit my teammates to get me the ball. Um, I was sort of thinking about my shots and – I really didn't have to create a lot of them. Um, my teammates created them for me, and so um, I think that's credit to them for uh, just running our offense, um, not only for me getting easy shots, but for for my teammates. You had 16 points there in the first half, one point away from your career high. Was there something that you saw specifically that helped you out, or was it just kind of your night there in the first half? Um, before the game, I ate Lucky Charms for the first time. like. Like maybe ever before a game, um, that's like the, I was I was just like a little hungry, so I just had like a little bowl of Lucky Charms, and I think the luck did work. Um, that's the first time I've ever done that, and it's the first time I've ever scored that many points in the first half, probably throughout my whole career. So I might be onto something with uh, eating Lucky Charms before a game. So um, we've got those in the locker room, and uh, I can't remember what milk it was. I like whole milk. Uh, my parents have always fed us whole milk, and two uh, percent, you know, is like watered down. So uh, and skim milk. Um, I'm not gonna judge you if you drink skim milk, but like you might as well just drink water. I feel like. And so uh, yeah, before the game, I ate Lucky Charms, and. Uh, I think I got the luck from. What's your normal? What's your normal pregame? My normal pregame is whatever Mary Carter gets us. Um, or no, no, Lauren, our dietitian, does the meals now. And so, uh, like uh, today was Aubrey's, and uh, in the hotel, you know, it's usually like that hotel food is. It's hotel food, and so uh, I think I might be on to something. Next game, I'll eat the Lucky Charms and. We'll see if I have the same outcome. What's with the Kidmas defense for the way you've played defense the last couple of games? Um, like I said, that's something that we had talked about too. You know, um, that Georgia game, we we didn't play well offensively, offensively or defensively, and so I think um, um, that's really something that we, we can pride ourselves on. And you know, like if shots aren't falling, then we can still lock down defensively. And so I think um, I think we we have done a much better job at, um, on the defensive end, but I still think that we have a long, long ways to go. You've been focused on Ole Miss, but obviously Kansas this weekend. Challenge of playing in Allen. Um, yeah, I guess can you kind of elaborate on that? Right. Um, yeah, definitely um, excited to go there. Um, what's called Allen Fieldhouse. It's definitely like one of the top um, arenas uh, in the nation. Um, very historic. Um, a great place to play. Um, a hard place to play. So I'm very excited for that. Um, I'm just excited to go there. I've never been in Kansas. So. Um, that'll be fun. I'm excited for that. Did you happen to see what happened at the Kansas-Kansas State game tonight? No, I did not. Big fight. <laughs> D'Souza grabbed a chair and started swinging it. So. 
Make sure you look, keep your eye out on her. We'll do. How important was it for you guys to kind of handle business the way that you did today against Ole Miss, especially with such a, you know, as, as tough a opponent this weekend and really not overlooking this? Right. Um, I think just taking it one game at a time and uh, just focusing on the task at hand, um, I think that that's something that my coaches, through all my basketball careers, have always said, you know, um, just focus on one game at a time. Um, it's, a, it's a one game season. And so, uh, we do have a big game coming up Saturday, but I think um, we, we did focus well on this game, and um, I think we played well offensively and defensively, but I think we have a lot to improve on. And, uh, yeah, just take it one game at a time. I should say that this team is able to do that, um, I think just our focus, you know, um, I think that kind of helps our focus and uh, maybe our maturity too. Um, but I think credit to our coaches. Our coaches haven't really said much about, um, you know, games coming up, you know. They just talk about that one game coming up. And so I think credit to them for just keeping us locked in on on the only game that matters at the point. So I guess that, you know, you do, as you said, you take them one at a time, but, you know, y'all dropped a couple that you, you didn't really want to lose. What kind of an opportunity is that Saturday to go make up for some of that stuff? Because you know how big those non-conference games are. Right. Um, yeah, this game is huge for us. Um, you know, non-conference game, um, a very good program, a very good team, a very good coach, a great arena. Um, this will definitely like be a memory of a lifetime, you know. Uh, it's like playing in the Dean Dome, you know, uh, my freshman year. That was um, something I'll never forget, like playing in Maui. So uh, I think we're all excited for this game. We uh, got to practice these next few days and uh, get ready for them. Hey, we got the same phone. It's a pretty nice phone. I got no complaints with it. It's very nice. It's 11 Pro. The camera's really good. The camera's really good. Really good. Get 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 the, the 11 big one. You got three cameras. If you do like the wide angle, yeah, like you, you get us all in here. That's how I get the arena. That's how I get the arena shots every game. Okay. Yeah. So when you look at the wide angle, nice. When you look at the way Jalen's played, you know, the past few games. I guess this has been the first time in his career he's gotten this many minutes, this many games in a row. Do you think he's kind of settled down a little bit and, and started playing better ball? <clears throat> I think so, and I think um, I think I've known this that Jalen can do this um, the whole time. You know, I played against Jalen probably four or five times in high school, and um, he was he was really good in high school. And um, I think just him at Tennessee, you know, he's played behind Robert Hubbs his senior year, um, Admiral Schofield his senior year. And so I think um, Jalen's finally getting his chance to play. When you see some of these other freshmen, and like some of the highs and lows that they're kind of going through, like what are the conversations that you're having with them to kind of keep them level-headed? Um, I think just telling them that we're going to need them. And um, when you get in there, don't try to do too much. And uh, you know, just do your job. Do what we practice. Don't try. Don't try to make the home run play, the, the winning play, or do make the winning play. But don't just don't try to do too much. And so. Um, just kind of keep encouraging them um, and know and tell them that we're going to need them and uh, just keep boosting them with confidence. I think it is very important for uh, for the young guys. John Kermit Davis raved about you. You've heard uh, some other coaches do the same things. They loved watching you on tape. Um, you know, you recruited you as well. How does that make you feel to hear opposing coaches rave about your play? Right, um, Coach Davis. Um, I w we actually kind of established like a, a pretty good relationship during the recruiting process. Um, he was at MTSU, and uh, he he was doing very well there, um, winning a lot, a lot of games. You know, getting deep in the tournament every year, and so. Uh, I was very interested in his program and uh, and him as a person, as a coach, and so um, I have the most respect for for Coach Davis and his staff and his players. And um, um, I mean, I guess just playing hard and uh, just coming in night in, night out, and just trying to get the job done, and just being there for your teammates. What's been going on? Your team defense against Tyree. How big was that tonight? It was big. Um, you know, like I said earlier, we we game plan for him. Um, pretty heavily, um, definitely one of their better players. Um, just to limit his touches, limit his attempts. You know, he was averaging like on what almost 30 in SEC play or on the season. So uh, just trying to limit him and you know make other people beat us, make other people score. And um, but but credit to him because he is a great player. Um, he knows how to play the game. And um, yo, oh, I can hear you over here. You said you're not athletic. 
talking about? I can hear you too. I'm trying to think about what I'm saying. I just hear you. So I can't hear you? You didn't say you can hear me. Because I can think and hear. <laughs> I didn't watch my thing. He, he was talking too loud. Well. I guess the way he's rebounding now, he can do that, right? I don't know. How many, how many rebounds do you have tonight? Not as many as you. Rick Setti. Rick Setti was a good rebounder. It, oh, does do a great job hitting the glass. Um, that's something that um, he's really kind of fit his role and uh, accepted his role, and uh, he's embraced it, and, and he's become great at it, you know, um, rebounding offensively and defensively. And defensively um, he's done really good at that, so we're really going to need that from him. You know, when you look at sort of the way that normally this time of year everybody knows kind of what they've got as a team, but y'all have had so many guys going in and out of the lineup, and then, you know, uh, and Santiago comes in, and, and now Roche comes in. I mean, it's kind of like y'all are trying to figure out who you are as a team, but that's kind of an opportunity too, right? I mean, that's something that, you know, the upside of this team could could, could still be way ahead of y'all, right? Right. Um, you know, like you said, we've had a lot of the ups and downs with this team, or not maybe ups and downs, just changes with this team. Um, you know, losing Lamonte, gaining Santi. I don't know why he bites his arm. Have y'all talked to him why he bites his arm? We haven't we haven't gotten to talk to him yet. So. I haven't either. Um, You've been doing it too, though. Yeah, I just I just do it to him. Don't you see you see him every day though, right? Yeah, but he don't do it in practice. Like, you know, we ain't got nobody to, like you know hype up during practice or like high five. So practice is kind of chill. Um, but yeah, losing Lamonte, gaining Santi, gaining Urosh, and uh, you know people injured here and there. People got to step up. So I think um, we kind of had like a rocky road. And so, uh, but I, th I think that we've done great as a team. I think our coaches have have done a great job, like kind of keeping us together, keeping us meshed. And um, I think credit to our coaches for that. Yeah. That was uh, Tennessee junior forward John Fulkerson. Had tons of interesting things to say during that segment. Uh, lots of uh, very, very interesting things uh, to hear. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of go to break quickly. We're going to go hear from some, some products and services and in-house ads and all those fun things. And then we're going to come back and you're going to hear again from me and Grant Ramey. And we're going to talk about those Kansas fighting stool Jayhawks. Hashtag ads. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a second ago. As always, you're not contractually, morally, ethically, spiritually required in any way, shape, or form to listen to those commercials. Uh, but we appreciate the people who do that. It helps all of us at uh, CBS, helps all of us at 24-7 Sports, and Go Vols 24-7 might even help you. Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio and from the Blount County Satellite Office of GoVols 24-7. Uh, so Grant, any thoughts on uh, on that uh, Folky interview before we head off to uh, Talk Kansas? Uh, he's a very distracted young man sometimes. Bless his heart. <laughs> That's all you're going to say for a fellow Kingsport guy? That's all you're going to say? Uh, he's unique. Let's just He follows his own path and uh, he is uniquely Folky. I like the fact that he's not afraid to be himself anymore. It feels like he has uh, has kind of come out of his shell a little bit this season, or, or he's just felt more comfortable in being um, kind of weird, being himself around us. I think that might be what it is. I think he's always been like this, and I think because you and I and Mike Wilson, a few of us who have known the kid for years, he's been like that before, but now he's just starting to do it with everyone, and it's kind of fun to see, I think. He, is, uh, he has lost his uh, give-a-care. 
if you will, for lack of a better word. So I'm here for it. I'm fine with it. And also having a good junior season. So uh, he's starting to kind of become the player Rick Barnes thought thought he could be uh, when, when he recruited him uh, a couple years ago. As promised, guys, getting to the Kansas Jayhawks, Tennessee being the, uh, if not the marquee game, certainly one of the marquee games in the uh, annual SEC Big 12 Challenge this season. Uh, obviously, they think Tennessee is the biggest one because College Game Day will be in Lawrence on Saturday, which is now hashtag awkward after uh, after that game against Kansas State for the Jayhawks the other night. But before we talk about the, that fight and all that, uh, we do need to mention this. Kansas is a very, very, very good basketball team. There have been a ton of headaches, a ton of controversies around that program recently, but all those guys have done on the court is go out there and go 15-3. and three. And those three losses are on a neutral floor to Duke, uh, by two points uh, at Villanova by one point and to Baylor uh, at, I guess at home against Baylor, but that's a Baylor team that, you know, was ranked number one nationally um, or, or is it ranked number one now? Did it become number one this week, Grant? I believe it did. Yeah. So, so those are the three losses uh, for the Kansas Jayhawks this season. And um, you know, they've beaten some ranked teams in there too. beat West Virginia, beat Colorado, um, you know, beat a beat a Texas team that's okay. Um, you know, uh, actually put up a Steve Forbes and, and Jason Shea and their East Tennessee State Buccaneers gave Kansas a pretty decent run there for a little bit. So, um, you know, Kansas is is good. Kansas is always good. Kansas has several NBA draft picks on that team. It's got a legendary coach in Bill Self, and uh, it's got one of the premier home courts in all of college basketball at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. So, um, tough one for the Vols on Saturday, but also an opportunity, Grant. Yeah, a huge opportunity. Uh, even, you know, if you don't go in there and win like most people don't do, just kind of it's a huge test uh, moving forward uh, to kind of prep you for kind of what's coming down uh, this extremely backloaded schedule Tennessee has with some really tough road trips in uh, February and March. But, yeah, I mean, Devin Dotson, you know, he's kind of the he's kind of the gas pedal for this team. Tennessee fans probably remember him from the preseason NIT last November. Yep, yep. good point. Uh, in, in Brooklyn, he's a guy that's going to play 35 minutes a night, 34, average is 18 in. 18 a game, uh, four rebounds, four, uh, four assists, three steals. I mean, he's he's productive in just about every way you can be productive as a point guard. And obviously, Azubuke, I mean, a seven-foot guy that I think is listed at 270. Uh, that's a large human. He almost averages a double-double. Uh, the good news for Tennessee, well, Gerald Vick's gone. Uh, he's the guy that kind of lit them up uh, last year. Uh, they added Isaiah Moss, if I'm not mistaken, was a Iowa graduate transfer mm-hmm. uh, that Tennessee faced in the – NCAA tournament last year, if I'm remembering that correctly. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a loaded team. Obviously, it's Kansas basketball. It's always going to be loaded. Uh, they basically really have a nine-man rotation uh, when you break down the minutes, and two of those guys are out. Obviously, we talked about earlier Silvio DeSouza uh, and David McCormack, two big guys. So uh, maybe that hurts them. Uh, that's that's about 18 minutes a game, about 10 points, about seven rebounds a game combined from those two. So maybe that that gives Tennessee a little bit of life if they can keep playing. Uh, really good on the defensive end. Maybe they can give themselves a chance. Yeah, and this is a Kansas team that it, it did certainly lose um, uh, kind of a couple of of big bodies here. I mean, D'Souza is you know six foot nine, the the sophomore, and then the McCormick kid who's out. Uh, he's he's six foot ten, so that's a couple of big bodies there to lose. But you know, you still got Azubuke, who's a seven footer, averages darn near a double double, a very very productive player. And then what you've got around him is a whole bunch of really athletic kind of long guards. Dotson is quick. Obviously, he's not huge there at about six two one eighty five. But the rest of those guys, you go down the list, you know, um, Egbaji, uh, Garrett. Uh, Moss, you know, Braun, these guys are all kind of in that, in that six foot six range, you know, um, uh, in Aruna, obviously the, the freshman guard from the, from the Netherlands, he's another kid who's about six foot eight or so. So they've got Tennessee usually is the longest team on the floor, even if it's not the tallest, because, you know, we all know that as this podcast so often says, Rick Barnes does like length and a lot of his players are, you know, guys that are six seven, six eight, but they got like seven three, seven sport four wingspans. I mean, I think Plavsic has like a seven five or seven six wingspan, something stupid like that. So Tennessee always has great length, but Kansas is going to be able to match that. So, um, and I don't think when you look at the way Dotson, the way he kind of controls the game, the pace of the game, the tempo, they're not going to that that pressure Tennessee likes to put on you. I don't think it's going to really phase him too much. 
So Tennessee is going to have to kind of hunker down and play really, really good defense in this game. I don't know if they're going to force Kansas to make a lot of mistakes. They're going to have to play really good first-shot defense. They're going to have to keep Kansas off the offensive boards. And then they're going to have to take the opportunities when they're there on the offensive end, and they're going to have to make them. But if you want to look at something positive, Grant, I don't know of the last time that, that Tennessee went into a game like this where it had absolutely nothing to lose. Uh, it's been a while for this program since they've gone to a game and you've said, you know what, man, they really got nothing to lose in this game. This is that game, isn't it? This is the first time in a while that I think we can really say that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could probably go back to that uh, Purdue game in the Bahamas where Purdue was ranked. Nobody really knew who Tennessee was or, or what that team was about. In Tennessee, that that's always kind of the game that people circled back to that kind of started that uh, two-year run of success that they had. Uh, and, yeah, you, I mean, you look at this Kansas roster, what you mentioned, so many guards. Really, Ozabuke's listed as a center. McCormack's listed as a forward. D'Souza's listed as a forward. Everybody else's listed as a guard. Jalen Wilson's a forward, but he's only played in, I think, two games. I don't I don't know what his story is, but he's not playing right now. Uh, I mean, if you get Ozabuke in foul trouble, uh, one thing about John Fulkerson, he's an elite foul drawer. Yes, he is. is. such a thing. Yes, he is. Uh, <laughs> because he's so spastic and all over the place down low, uh, and especially when you're getting guarded by a guy that's 7 foot 270, uh, I'm, I'm sure Fulke will go flying a few times. Uh, who knows where he'll land. Uh, but if he does draw some fouls, maybe that changes things because Kansas is short uh, on the forwards with these suspensions. Uh, and, and, I mean, they're going to have to play really good perimeter defense. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Christian Braun uh, lit up Kansas State uh, Tuesday night. I think he's shooting like upwards of 40% from the three-point uh, three line. Yeah, 43.6%. So, yeah, yeah you, you can't give up a ton there. Obviously, you you got to keep playing good defense on the perimeter. Uh, it's going to be, I think, a matter of kind of how in control Devin Dotson is, what the foul situation looks like down low, how much success they have down low, uh, and, and, and a random aside. Every time I say Devin Dotson's name, I think him and Grant Williams were high school teammates. Uh, so that was probably a pretty fun high school game. Yeah, yeah, it was, I, I imagine. And, and you know what's interesting to me is that, you know, Fulkerson's going to have to be able to guard uh, as a bouquet because if he can't, then you're going to be giving a lot of minutes to Plavsic. Uh, but I would also say that if you're Urosh in this game, I would say, you know what, young man, you have five fouls, go use them. <laughs> uh, that's what I would do. I, I mean, honestly, it, it's it, – it, and if you wanted to know a little bit just kind of about – we've mentioned this before, but I think during that game on Tuesday night was the first time that people got at least a little bit of a glimpse of the way Plavsic plays the game – because Tennessee is up by about 30 points in the final minute, and uh, there's about 30 seconds to go. There's a loose ball. It ends up being a jump ball, and Plavsic almost fought the entire Ole Miss basketball team uh, pretty much by himself down there underneath the block. And, and it's like, hey, kid, you're up by like 30 points. Why don't you just chill a little bit? But, but that's the way he plays the game, uh, and that's going to be interesting because if you have to put him out there because you have to get another body on uh, Azubuke, then that could be a pretty – that's a clash of titans right there. College basketball doesn't give us a lot of seven-footer-on-seven-footer seven clashes these days, but um, that, that could be fun because those are two big physical guys, and, you know, Tennessee might have to throw Plavsic out there a little bit more in this game because of that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he's got five fouls to give. Olivier's got five fouls to give. Uh, I guess Fulke's got five fouls to give. Pember. I'm sure he'll give most of those. Pember's got five fouls to give. Oh man, you throw Pember out there against Asabuki, it's gonna look like a, uh, it's gonna look like uh, your dog running into a Buick or something. Yeah, here, um, here, here's what I would say though. Uh, Asabuki is a 40.5 percent free throw shooter, so just about every time he goes up there and tries to, uh, to to go to the bucket, just sit there, stand up straight, and take the contact and fall down. And uh, if they call a, a block, who cares? If they call a charge, good for you. That's what I would do. Start start playing Hakabuke from the first possession. Absolutely, and just let it ride. I mean, you've got you've got four or five guys who can give you five fouls. Uh, I mean, you got nothing to lose in this game. Uh, we all know Rick Brock Barnes. Jancic out there. Yeah, we, we know that. Five fouls. Yeah, there you go. And, and Brock Jancic, who sounds like the greatest action movie star name of all time, by the way. You know, then that it's, that's what it sounds like, right? It's like Brock Jancic stars in Die Hard. You know, I mean, that's just kind of what it sounds like. Uh, but but. I, I would seriously go out there and I would challenge uh, Azubuke because when you look at it, as you said, Grant, there is there are a lot of long guards on that team, um, but but not a lot of true front court guys. And this is a this is a, a backcourt dominated game in this era. But you know what? 
there's not a lot of size there for for those Jayhawks, behind, you know, behind uh, Azubuke right now. So I would try to get him out of the game. Tennessee did that a couple years ago, and it worked out well for Tennessee, I think. You know, uh, that was a really good game. And um, Tennessee had some players in foul trouble that night too, but I remember things changed a lot when they got Azubuke out of there. Yeah, I think definitely foul trouble uh, is going to be your best friend if you're Tennessee down low, uh, trying to deal with that size, uh, even though there's not a with, – without a ton of depth there, uh, as many fouls as you can draw down there. You're doing well. I mean, they're going to have to do what they do on the perimeter and not let Devin Dotson be extremely comfortable and not let these guys start hitting shots early and settle in. Uh, I'm curious to see what kind of the atmosphere is like, how, they, how this team handles distractions. Uh, obviously, Kansas basketball has come with a few distractions last year uh, and even back in the preseason like you talked about with Snoop Dogg and all that late night of the fog mess they had uh, in October. But, you know, college game days here. Uh, Bill Self, you know, that thing happened Tuesday night. He got to turn around Wednesday morning and talk about it on a, a Big 12 coaches teleconference. I'm sure he was not looking forward to that. But just kind of how does this team handle everything that's around this game now that it just kind of changes uh, what it looks like because of how ugly Tuesday night ended uh, now, how do they move forward? I'm sure they'll handle it uh, the way an elite basketball team would, but they still have to go out there and show that they can handle it. Yeah, because a lot of this is the last thing, Grant. A lot of this is going to be uh, obviously people in Tennessee are going to want to talk about Tennessee, but but Kansas now is the story in this game. If it wasn't before, it definitely is now. And and I think we've both covered sports long enough to know that when you are in a situation like the one Kansas is in right now, uh, that thing goes one of two ways. You either rally around each other and, and you play great, or that's a distraction you can't handle and you play terribly. And you know what? I remember a couple of years ago when Kansas came to Thompson Bowling Arena as the number one team in the country, Tennessee had just suspended four of its best players, uh, had five or six scholarship players available to play Kansas, the number one Jayhawks, and beat them on the Skylar McBee three-pointer. So uh, this series has kind of had a game even worse than this in that way before. Uh, so you never really know, but, but these things kind of tend to affect a team one way or the other. Yeah, I think when uh, game day announced they were going to Kansas, I think that was on Saturday, the the number one question after that was, uh, like, why? Uh, isn't there a better matchup in this Big 12 SEC tournament thing, uh, challenge thing? But uh, that's where they went, and, and now it pays off because, hey, they got a ton of time to fill, and they got a ton of stuff to talk about with this fight. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because, you know, they try not to really go too hard after somebody when, when they're on their campus and they're being hosted for something, and uh, that's going to be kind of wonderfully awkward. If you're someone like me who really loves awkward things, this is going to be your jam right here. Uh, That's going to be interesting. And you know what? We will be there uh, to cover all of it. We'll have a podcast at some point after that game, either Saturday night or or, or more likely Sunday morning. But uh, we we will have plenty to discuss uh, from that game. And uh, until then, I think that's going to be where we are. Grant, any final thoughts before I let you go here? I got nothing. Do you ever have anything? I got a stool over my head. There you go. That's a that's a good way to end it. Thanks, Grant. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, play the music and uh, get on out of here. See you, buddy. Guys, thank you for listening. As always, you know we say that, and I feel like we should say it more. But I try to say it every episode because we really do mean it. Thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I know the schedule gets a little bit confusing during the basketball season, but we're, we're going to have to work that out. That's our fault. That's not your fault. We're going to get that fixed. Thanks for tuning in. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just the facts... All Tennessee, all the time. You don't want my daily Corgi pictures. Uh, you don't want Grant's daily reminders that I am a not the father of the Corgi and that the Corgi's father can only be another dog. Uh, you can, If you don't want any of that stuff, uh, if you just want Tennessee stuff, you can get all of that too. We have places for that. We have GoVols 24-7 on Twitter at twitter.com slash GoVols 24-7, and we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash GoVols 24-7. We can't promise no, no Russian hacking, but... But we will try. We will try to do our best there. And Ramey does a great job with our Facebook page. Or you can go directly to the source. You can go to GoVols247.com for that delicious East Tennessee Mountain spring water. Just just right from the just right from the stream. Just delicious, unfiltered goodness. Like goodness, like better than Evian, better than smart water. It's better than all that. It's like the most pH water ever. GoVols247.com. we got a really good deal right now going on until uh, for the weekend anyways. Uh, so we always have 
always have uh, a seven-day free trial period. But but right now, we've got a special deal, too. You need to go to GoVault 24-7 and check it out. It's one of our better uh, better ones of the year, really. So you should go check that out for sure. And if you pay us the full price for GoVault 24-7, which is still a really good deal, really, really good deal. If you want to pay the regular price, as soon as you do that, you get in perpetuity for life, as long as you are with us, you get access to CBS All Access, which means you can watch the new uh, Picard, the new Star Trek series, uh, which is only on CBS All Access. You can get that there. You can also get uh, a bunch of live sports. You can get uh, you can get college football. You can get SEC football. You can get the NCAA tournament. Get the UEFA Champions League down the road, uh, and every single CBS show in the entire catalog for all of them, commercial free all the time because there's there's tiers to that package and we give you the best one the best one no commercials so go pay us a little bit of money just a tiny bit of money tiny bit and then you get that which is a hundred dollar annual value for free one hundred dollars in your pocket no questions asked so go do that and if you don't what are you doing with your life really and i don't want to question you i think you're probably a pretty good person i don't want to i don't want to do that to you so help help us help you, and then we don't have to question you. Uh, if nothing else, guys, you will hear from us at some point after the Tennessee-Kansas game over the weekend. See you. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.